Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here again today with Pat Abendroth. And I am Pat Abendroth. That's right. And I am Mike Grimes. And today, we're going to be switching it up a bit, starting something new, a little different. We're going to start a short series called Marching with Machen. And you might ask, what is Marching with Machen going to be about? Well, it's going to be an introduction to Jay Gresham Machen and his writings. But Pat, why would we want to do... Uh, marching with Machen. We want to whet people's appetites because Machen is a great hero of the faith, and we want people to be introduced to him, his ministry, to be inspired by him, to perhaps read his books and biographies about him. And in particular, we're going to focus on his classic Christian book of about 100 years ago called Christianity and Liberalism. Yeah. It's definitely a classic. We love it. We love Machen, and we want others to share in the joy that comes from meeting another Christian, a Christian who stood firm for the faith, and uh, hopefully it's infectious. Yeah, and why, why marching with Machen? Marching with Machen. Well, I feel like I'm, I'm a dad with dad jokes or dad <laughs> themes, but we're marching with Machen because the series is being recorded in March, and that's kind of cheesy, I know, but we're marching with Machen through the month of March. But also, a second reason is because those who followed Jay Gresham Machen in standing firm for the faith have sometimes been labeled, uh, negatively labeled, disparagingly labeled, uh, as Machen's warrior children. Mm. And we right here today want to say we're happy and with pride we'll wear that negative label if it means we can join those who've been labeled Machen's warrior children. So here we are, Machen's warrior children marching on this month. It's true. We're even recruiting. We are. We're recruiting. So if you want to be joining, let us know. We're we're offering recruiting bonuses. We want to join the the throng, as it were, and join those who've been labeled that uh, because really it's... It's a badge of honor to stand for the truth. We want to do so in a way that's Christian and gracious and kind. But when you have to stand for the faith that's been once and for all delivered to the saints, uh, it's not always going to be pleasant. And it might mean marching. It might mean warring a little bit. That's right. And so we're going to be happy to join them. In fact, I do have a great quote here regarding uh, Machen standing firm for the faith. And it has a little bit of uh, a war aura to it, if you will, marching aura, if you will. Our listeners perhaps can understand why uh, the label comes. Let us not fear the opposition of men. Every great movement in the church from Paul down to modern times has been criticized on the ground that it has promoted intolerance and disputing. Of course, Majin says, the gospel of Christ in a world of sin and doubt will cause disputing. And if it does not cause disputing and arouse bitter opposition, that is, fair, that is a fairly sure sign that it is not being faithfully proclaimed. Hmm, that's a great quote. Machen was a Machen warrior child yeah. before there was such that's a thing, right. I think. He was. Who uh, introduced you to Machen? I was introduced to Machen by my first theology professor, whose name was Ken Sarles. Uh, He's in heaven now. He was my very favorite professor that I had during seminary. And when he was teaching anthropology, biblical view of man, Christian view of man, biblical view of man, uh, he required that we read many things like Louis Burkhoff, but he also required that we read this little book called The Christian View of Man Hmm. by J. Gresham Machen. 
And that's where it all started for me. I'd never heard of him, I don't think, at the time. Uh, but that taste just wet my appetite mm. and caused me to read and read and read. The next book I think I read was the classic biography by Ned Stonehouse and really got to know Machen better than Christianity and Liberalism, then his book, What is Faith, then Daryl Hart's book, uh, who is really an expert on Machen, and then the two-volume history of Princeton Seminary by Banner of Truth. And I really can't get myself enough Machen <laughs> these days ever since that yeah. time. With that said, since I mentioned Daryl Hart, it probably is good to mention we don't claim to be experts in major. Right. Or, right. or maybe you do, Mike. No, I'm not sure. I don't. I do not claim to be an expert. So we're just fanboys, uh, card-carrying members of the Warrior Children Club. Uh, but people like Hart are, we'd recommend, we will recommend his writings. Yeah. But at this point in time, we're just trying to introduce a friend, if you will, or a hero uh, so that others can benefit. Yeah. Now, so, now, I said I wasn't, I'm not an expert, but I do want you to know and mm -hmm. for our listeners to know that I do have the special, sacred, super duper Gnostic anointing. You do. The Machen anointing. And the reason I say that is because in my hot little hands, I hold a copy of his book, What is Faith? And this book, What is Faith, is not only an original edition hmm. uh, published in 1935, but it's signed, oh. by, it's signed by the good doctor it himself. Is. And so every time I want to have the special anointing, I just pick it up and <laughs> I can smell the spirit of the warrior child himself who was not a child. <laughs> so we may not be experts, but we do have the special anointing. And right now, if our listeners would just like to put their hands on their podcast listening device, That's right. uh, and if they would send 1995 or five <laughs> installments of it, uh, we're sure they will receive the anointing as That's well. That's right. That's right. And I can verify. It's real. I see it in his hands. There is the actual signed copy. So... We kid, we kid. Tony Ranke bought that for me one time as a gift, and I'm certainly thankful for it. I'm sure he he paid a pretty penny for it, mm. um, but it is a great book. I gave my original one away so I could have the anointed version. That's right. Well, maybe we start off a little bit by uh, talking about who was Jay Gresham Machen. Maybe some of our listeners haven't heard of him before, or maybe they don't know much about him. Uh, so maybe, Pat, talk to us a little bit about who he was. According to one source, he was the most important conservative Protestant thinker in the first half of the 20th century. Mm. So that's saying a lot. Yeah. Maybe from a different source, uh, upon hearing of uh, Machen's death in 1937, a former colleague of his and someone who didn't always see eye to eye with him, C.W. Hodge, said that the English-speaking world had lost its greatest theologian. Mm. So that's saying a lot. Maybe stepping back just a little bit and more to the point, however, uh, Machen would have been the academic champion in the fundamentalist modernist controversy in the early 20th century. Mm. And so when we say uh, fundamentalist modernist controversy, we're not talking about fundamentalists per se, the way we use that term today, yeah. where they have no fun. He, he's not that kind of fun. He's not the fighting fundamentalist type that uh, is antisocial or angry or something like that mm. or anti-intellectual. But there was this controversy that swept its way through um, America and other places uh, within the church. And the modernists essentially were the naturalists. Mm -hmm. They were saying, well, we can't believe in supernatural things like substitutionary atonement, bodily resurrection, heaven, hell, mm -hmm. those basic things. Yeah. And the fundamentalists were saying, well, those are 
fundamental right. to biblical Christianity. Yeah. There are other important things, but those are fundamental things. And apart from those things, we, we can't really have Christianity. And so Machen was the guy in your corner, if you will, mm. if you were a Bible-believing Christian sure. yeah. of all different sorts. And so he was champion, championing the cause for Bible-believing Christians. Yeah. Maybe we should say one more thing before we move on regarding Machen and fundamentalism. I think I've already alluded to the fact, or I've already stated that he's not a fundamentalist in today's types of terms. Mm. Uh, but even back in his day, there were those kinds of fundamentalists yeah. who claimed Machen. And ironically enough, though he was their guy in their corner, so to speak, he was anything but a fundamentalist. Yeah, and there's a great quote from Hart on uh, this, and it says, Machen stood for practically everything that fundamentalism did not. Where fundamentalists were anti-credal and anti-clerical, Machen's instincts were confessional and churchly. Where fundamentalists had the reputation of being rural and anti-intellectual, Machen thrived in urban and academic settings. What is more, he regarded fundamentalist eschatology, i.e. dispensationalism, as bizarre and extreme, avoided altogether the crusade against evolution, even though invited to testify at the Scopes trial, and viewed United States politics in ways remarkably different from fundamentalists. Machen opposed prayer and Bible reading in public schools and the church's support for prohibition because he did not believe America was a Christian nation. Say what? Yeah, and yet Christianity and liberalism earned him the reputation of being one of America's most outspoken fundamentalists, even if he spoke with scholarly accents. Good insight. I'm thankful for that. So what made Machen the man for the job? I think providentially speaking, there are several factors that made him the man for the job as far as standing up for the faith, if you will, of the classic Christian faith. For starters, he did grow up in a Christian home. Uh, he was part of a Presbyterian church that would have been conservative, Bible teaching, Bible believing, so theologically sound, confessional. And not only that, he does credit his mother. Hmm. Uh, he never married. He was a bit of a mama's boy. Hmm. So he credits his mother with teaching him the Bible. He studied at Johns Hopkins, and it would have been there that Hart suggests that he would have been exposed to modernism Hmm. already, so some anti-supernatural kind of thinking even during his uh, college years. Then trained at Princeton, where he would have been trained in pastoral ministry and theology, and Princeton really was the place to be when it came to sound theology back in those days. And then he went to Europe and studied under theological liberals. And when we say theological liberals, we're talking about those who didn't, they're the naturalists, those Mm -hmm. who don't believe in the supernatural kinds of things, and really was impressed by them in a lot of ways, but at the same time uh, was seeing the the difficulty between what they were promoting and what the Bible actually taught. Mm. So to put a bow on all of this, uh, Machen was someone who throughout his life did have doubts about things of the faith and was haunted by those doubts and quite had many questions. Um, but going full circle, he grew up in a Christian home, went through life, learned about naturalism, learned about opposition to the Bible, even studied under opponents of the Bible as well as proponents. And to bring things full circle, came out on the other end with very strong ironclad like convictions yeah. that the faith is true, right. that it is the biblical faith and that it's not only something that you uh, are to believe, but you believe it with your eyes wide open. Mm. 
It is something you believe not in an anti-intellectual way, uh, but with your intellect fully engaged. And I think that really makes him the man for the job and the man for the hour. So moving right along with all of this and introducing people to Machen, I think at this point in time, let's talk about some of his achievements, some of those standout hallmark achievements that would give people a sense of the timeline as to how God used him. Yeah, he was, uh, Machen was born in 1881. At a very early age, he was born. (laughs) He was born at a very early age in 1881. He died in 1937. 55 years old, I think. Yes. And uh, he was a key figure in founding of the OPC. Uh, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in 1936. Some of you may have heard of the OPC. He was a key figure in founding that. Um, He was a New Testament scholar at Princeton, so where he had studied and got some of his theological training at Princeton, he later became a New Testament scholar there from 1906 to 1929. Uh, Also of note, uh, when the Northern Presbyterian Church, that's the PCUSA, rejected his arguments during the mid-1920s and decided to reorganize Princeton Seminary to create a moderate school. Uh, Machen was the one who took the lead in founding Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. So that was in 1929, Machen took that lead in founding the Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. And then uh, also only six months after the new denomination's beginning, the OPC, uh, Machen died in Bismarck, North Dakota. And people say he died of exhaustion in a certain sense because so much was happening and the battle was raging and he was so busy with ministry and trying to promote the support for Mm -hmm. the denomination and the seminary and died with his boots on, so to speak. Mm. We'll probably include it later, but there is that classic quote from Machen as he responds to his uh, friend back home via telegraph regarding the act of obedience of Christ, and he says, no hope without it. So let's talk about today. We've talked about Machen and his life. Um, Let's talk about today and what makes Machen so important for us today. One of the things that makes him so important, in my opinion, is the fact that he was clear, mm-hmm. and he was clear in his teaching of sound doctrine, yeah. and he was not only committed to teaching the sound doctrine, but as Titus says, he was able, capable, and committed to refuting those who contradict it. Yeah. So again, labeled as a fighter at times because that was necessary. Because if we don't have, if we don't fight for the faith, we're not going to have a faith. And so we're thankful for that. He definitely did so in a scholarly way. He wasn't one of these people that did, you know, all heat and no light. (laughs) There was a lot of heat and there also was a lot of light. He's very accessible, pretty easy to read. Some of his writings actually were were originally uh, uh, recordings of a radio program Mm. that he was doing Again, trying to not reach academia, though he was an academician, trying to reach lay people and re- reach church people so that they can be equipped uh, to promote and defend the faith. Yeah, and you know what I find fascinating about when you're reading Machen is his books may be 100 years old, uh, but there are a few things that make them sound dated. I mean, you read through Christianity and liberalism, and you would think, you have to check the date. When was this written? Because this had to have been written just yesterday. Uh, I mean, it's like 95% of the content is timeless because it's dealing with the historic faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So it's completely applicable even now today to us when you're reading his writings. 
I think that's one of the things people love about Machen so much. I will say if you're going to pick up Christianity and liberalism, which we're going to encourage you to do, Mm -hmm. listeners, uh, there will be 5% that is dated and you'll have to work your way through it and and think, well, that's not exactly today, but it's still fascinating. And he talks about Nebraska and Christianity and liberalism. He does talk about Nebraska. We won't go there, but um, one more thing regarding relevance, Mike. And that's when Rob Bell uh, wrote Velvet Elvis, and he became the new darling celebrity Mm -hmm. of churchianity in America not very many years ago. Uh, I I picked up the book and read it because everyone was talking about how great it was and how cool he was and how we need to be emergent. And I instantly thought, I've met you before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've met you before you had a different name and a different face, but you are Harry Emerson Fosdick, <laughs> who Machen critiqued a hundred years ago yeah. as the one, the cool, the one that all the cool kids were enamored with back yeah. then. But he was not teaching the once and for all delivered to the saints faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was teaching something other than Christianity while all along using Christian verbiage. And so it's like Christianity and liberalism equipped me. Uh, to be discerning, even though it was a hundred years later, yeah. it was kind of a no-brainer. I thought this is this is Machen, this is Fosdick, mm. but now we're dealing with Rob Bell. Yeah. So we've mentioned Christianity and liberalism, uh, Machen's book, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, maybe just a few things about it, Pat. You would want to mention before we get into it. For starters, it's a classic. Please read it. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, it's short. And not only is it a classic. And short, it's free. Free, free books <laughs> so are the best books. You can find it. We'll put it in the show notes, but at reformed.org, it's there for the reading. You can probably find it in some other places as well. One reason why you may want to actually pick up an actual hard copy or a Kindle version that's newer, I do believe one of the newer versions has an intro or a foreword mm-hmm. written by Carl Truman, mm-hmm. which is worth it, um, but don't let that get in your way. Uh, at least pick up the free copy copy of it. It's definitely worth it in that sense. So with that in mind, knowing that it's it's short, uh, it's free, and it's a classic, it's something that we actually want to engage with, with you, our listeners, over the course of the next several episodes. And so um, we actually are going to begin looking, at least sampling some of its content and looking at the first chapter. But let's go ahead and start out by talking about the basic argument of the book. Yeah. So if we begin with the title, Uh, We can sort it out a little bit. Christianity and liberalism. Uh, There's Christianity and there's liberalism. Uh, All right. We're we're already confused and confusing, right? Because when we say liberalism, we think uh, in terms of politics. Politics, yes. And that's not not how Machen means it. When he's referring to liberalism, uh, he's talking about naturalism. Mm -hmm. If you have the faith and Jesus is the mediator between God and man. There's only one. Uh, Theological liberalism would say, oh, there are other mediators. Mm -hmm. There are other ways. And so it's not liberalism in a good sense, like you're being kind and generous Mm -hmm. and gracious. Uh, It's liberalism in a bad sense. You're being compromising. God has said, this is my son, uh, and he is the way and the truth and the life. Well, he himself said that. And then we're saying, if we're theological liberals, well, actually, there are other ways. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what we mean, and I think it's important that we remember that. Yeah, and it, it's important. He even brings it up in the book, but it's not that we're talking here about two types of the same thing. We're talking about two different religions when we talk about Christianity and liberalism. And that is the crux of the book, and that's the crux of the title. Right. So think in terms of there is Christianity, and Christianity has always 
does and will always teach things that are supernatural, right? like the triune God, like Jesus being the God man, mm-hmm. like him being the one who dies a substitutionary atoning death, bodily resurrection. In other words, the, the, the miraculous. Yeah. So Christianity affirms those, always has, always will. And those who deny those things even if they might try to steal Christian vocabulary, mm-hmm. uh, are not a certain kind of Christian, a liberal right. Christian. They're actually something altogether different. Yeah, and maybe a quote from Achen, uh from Christianity and liberalism on this. It says, What the liberal theologian has retained after abandoning to the enemy one Christian doctrine after another is not Christianity at all but a religion which is so entirely different from Christianity as to be long in a distant category. And the next one, that's on page six, page seven of our book, Christianity and Liberalism. Despite the liberal use of traditional phraseology, modern liberalism, again, remember he's talking about theological liberalism, not only is a different religion from Christianity, but belongs in a totally different class of religions. So that's the biggest takeaway, I think. And in one sense, if you don't learn anything else from Machen, Mm -hmm. and I think he learned this way of thinking from one of his mentors, B.B. Warfield, who spoke in similar terms, there is Christianity and there are other religions. Um, And if you tinker with Christianity and get rid of the very essence of it, things like substitutionary atonement or or resurrection, uh, that's fine. It's a free country. It's not advisable. (laughs) um, But stop using our vocabulary. Stop using our language. And it's actually not Christian. And to suggest that it is uh, actually shows that you lack integrity. So there is Christianity and there is theological liberalism and they're two different religions. So maybe that's, we said that's one big major takeaway. We would love for our listeners to grasp a hold of that. Uh, What are some other takeaways we might uh, find in this first chapter of the book? Yeah. So as we move past the title, uh, we move into chapter one, Machen seeks to be clear. Yes. And that is always intriguing when it comes to dealing with people who are trying to use, oh, let's use a big word, subterfuge, um, trickery, cunning. Maybe another word would be duplicity. Yeah. So you're kind of hiding your agenda and you don't want to be clear because if you are clear, uh, people will see you for who you are and maybe uh, kick you out or run the other way. Yeah. And a great quote from the book on page one, Machen says, um, the purpose of this book is not to decide the religious issue of the present day, but merely to present the issue as sharply and clearly as possible in order that the reader may be aided in deciding it for himself. So Machen's really seeking to be clear in these issues. Because the theological liberals uh, love to, to be something other than clear. Right. It sort of reminds me of some of the emergent guys not too long ago where they said clarity is overrated. Yeah. And we would say clarity is underrated. Yes. Uh, they like to be unclear so they can hide because they still want to take naive and gullible people's money, to yeah. be quite honest, yeah. and well-meaning people. Another takeaway, so we have a short list here of takeaways. The first one is clarity. Another takeaway from the first chapter of the book would be that it's okay and sometimes right and necessary to fight. Yeah. So it sounds good if you're a theological liberal to say, well, we can't fight about these things. Let's not be controversial. After all, we're Christians. And Machen is saying, no, there is a place to, to go to war and there is a place to fight. Page two, in the sphere of religion, as in other spheres, the things about which men are agreed are apt to be the things that are least worth holding. Hmm. 
The really important things are the things about which men will fight. Mm. Get your hands off of the resurrected Savior because he is my resurrection. Yeah. Let's go to another takeaway. Why don't you do this next one? Yeah, uh, the next takeaway we have here is that Machen seeks to expose those who deny the faith while keeping its vocabulary. So he's wanting to expose those people who are going to borrow from Christianity's words. Steal, steal. steal, Borrow, yeah, it's not borrowing. It's stealing. That's what it is. uh, Pillaging, (laughs) robbing. Yeah, we use strong words here, warrior children. But uh, they seek to steal and take and pillage all these words from Christianity, and uh, they— deny the faith at the same time. Uh, So on page two, we see uh, in the sphere of religion in particular, the present time is a time of conflict. Warrior children. That's right. The great redemptive religion, which has always been known as Christianity, is battling against a totally diverse type of religious belief, which is only the more destructive of the Christian faith because it makes use of traditional Christian terminology. So confronting the, the theological liberals, they're using our terms, but they're changing the meaning. Yeah. So it sounds like a Christian church service. Yep. It sounds like a Christian pastor preaching, but he doesn't mean what Christians have always thought those words mean. And then we come to our final takeaway, at least for today's episode, and that is that Machen seeks to show that Christianity is about historic realities. Mm. This is a big one. This has made a huge impression on me. When we're talking about Christianity, we're talking about not timeless truths, though there are timeless truths in the Bible. Uh, Christianity is a religion of history. Uh, It is a religion regarding what happened some 2,000 years ago outside of the city gates on a Friday afternoon, if you will. And if we don't have the actual history, we actually don't have real Christianity. And there are plenty of religions who are all about timeless truths and principles, Mm -hmm. but Christianity as a religion, as the Christian religion, is about the historic actions of God in our world on our behalf. And so on page six, Machen writes, admitting that scientific objections may arise against the particularities of the Christian religion, against the Christian doctrines of the person of Christ, and of redemption through his death and resurrection, the liberal theologian seeks to rescue certain of the general principles of religion, read timeless truths, of which these particularities are thought to be mere temporary symbols. And these general principles, think timeless truths, as we say today, he regards as constituting the essence of Christianity. And so really what he's getting at there, if you're not following, is that, well, since in a scientific lab you can't reproduce a resurrection, mm-hmm. well, it can't be true right. to the modern mind. Well, never mind the fact that we're talking about a miracle, mm-hmm. but what ends up happening is theological liberals have said, well, well, we have to, we have to rescue Christianity. We, we, we can't let it die. And so what we'll do is say those things don't actually have to happen in order for there to be authentic Christianity. As long as we follow the timeless truths and timeless principles, and Jesus was just showing how to sacrifice and he sacrificed. So we'll know how to sacrifice. It's not actually a substitute. He's not actually uh, providing propitiation for wrath or something like that. Uh, instead, he's just a great example. Yeah. Whereas in authentic Christianity, we, we, we're talking about real history. And if it didn't happen, if we were to find out mm-hmm. that Jesus actually died and wasn't raised from the dead, 
it wouldn't be okay yeah. uh, because the timeless principles are not enough. Right. In fact, it would make shipwreck of the whole thing. Yes. Right. The apostle Paul, Paul talks about that, this. Yeah. We have all pity. We have all pity would most peopled. <laughs> we have all people should be most pitied. Yeah. And so uh, this does bring me back though, in my mind to the relevance of Machen today, because yes, we hear this in theologically liberal churches, this kind of talk, but the sad and awful thing is we hear this kind of talk in evangelical churches where the Bible is not all about Christ first and foremost and what he did for us. Somehow the Bible is a guidebook for life and it's what would Jesus do and sermon after sermon and Sunday school after Sunday school lesson uh, end up being all about timeless truths. We forget, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts, um, well, you know what? That's how theological liberals talk. So why in the world are we talking that way today uh, when that's not how Christians have historically spoken? Well, we've covered quite a bit of ground for today. Uh, We've talked a little bit about Machen. And we've run out of coffee. We have. (laughs) So we talked a little bit about Machen, who he was, a little bit of background and history for you on him, and we've touched a little bit on the book Christianity and Liberalism on the first chapter, some main takeaways. We'd encourage you to get a copy of that. We'll have that link in the show notes of where you could get a free copy, uh, or if you already have one and you've never touched it, never read it, pick it up. Let's check it out. Let's read it. Uh, And next time, we'll continue to look at the book and look at chapter two called doctrine. And until next time, remember, just keep marching, because we're marching with nature.